So there was uh, an army of people that descended on my Airbnb yesterday to do a super duper cleaning job, which I uh, can't complain. The place is actually super spick and span. Like, I don't have that many bad Airbnb experiences, but this one is uh, super clean. So that's nice. But I just pieced together today that the reason they were all there is because the couple who were there who woke up <laughs> at the crack of dawn every morning and uh, played music and had uh, a freaking house party while they were making breakfast <laughs> every morning, they uh, checked out. So rather than just the person who has been stopping by each day to do a quick little cleanup job, a bunch of people came in to do the whole room. Biggity bam. And I realized, even though it's only been one day, just, man, it's so much nicer without those people. <laughs> and now it's just me, and the room next to me is some other weird dude, probably much like me. And the place is dead quiet. It's like a freaking cemetery. It's the best. And yeah, when I first showed up, I was like, ah, oh, you know, sure, whatever. That's what they, these people do. It's just their routine. They get up in the morning and they get all jazzed up for their day by clattering around and having a parade. <laughs> it's just like, hey, whatever, you know, I don't know. I guess it's energy and stuff. It's fine. Plus, you know, I haven't traveled in four years and my options were extremely limited because of the price of everything in Montreal right now. So I was just like, that's fine. That's cool, man. Do, do you, do your thing. But upon further consideration, now that they're gone, this is so much better. <laughs> I mean, still, I don't think it's good to let yourself be bothered by other people when you're in like a shared accommodation. Just go with it, just let it happen, whatever. Certainly don't confront people about dumb crap that doesn't matter. But my official stance, for the record is definitely if you're in in a little communal thing even if you aren't i guess like even if you're airbnb a whole place to yourself i mean like at this place i'm at now i can hear everybody who lives next door you know the walls are walls are paper thin uh, i've got a couple of apartments to myself coming up in japan but in a lot of cases it's like an upstairs and a downstairs so if I make a bunch of noise, the people in the other part of the building are going to hear me. Definitely the best way to proceed in any of these places is to just be quiet, man. Just be quiet. It doesn't matter if the little, uh, you know, quiet time hours, you know, maybe on the Airbnb listing it says, please observe quiet time from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. or whatever. Hey, maybe it's 7.05 now. Doesn't matter. You could make your breakfast without blaring music. You could make your breakfast without fucking literally yelling at each other across the property. <laughs> Don't just act like you live there, you fucking idiots. Come on. Just be quiet. Be, be a, a little church mouse. Be a considerate little church mouse and everyone. I was gonna say everyone will be happier, but I guess you probably won't. If you're a whirling dervish. Man, I remember the uh, 
the apartment I had in Vancouver, where I finally just kind of uh, abandoned the apartment life and just started being an Airbnb guy because there was just no, no value to having an apartment. Wasn't that much cheaper, certainly wasn't nice, didn't gain me any credit with my bank. And <laughs> just, it was like, why, why am I doing this? There was a roommate there who, he really seemed like an ogre or like one of those super mutants in Fallout. You know, someone who's been irradiated and warped. <laughs> They're still a person. They can still communicate. They clearly have intelligence, but they're just always loud and brutish and noisy. <laughs> and this fucking guy, he was always on Xbox Live yelling at people while he played games. And I got the distinct impression, just with the intensity that he was yelling, not just because he was like really getting into it or in a stressful position. He just did it all the time. And I got the sense that it's like, does he think he needs to yell because those people are far away? You know, <laughs> if he's playing fucking Xbox against somebody in San... Jesus. Bird scared the shit out of me. <laughs> if he's playing Xbox against somebody in San Antonio, does he think like, well, I mean, I'm in Canada. He's far away, I must have to yell. Even though the microphone is right next to his mouth and their headphones are right next to their ears. You don't have to yell, buddy. So yeah, with the dueling examples back to back, man, quiet is so much better. Quiet is the best. Oh, I should mention though, you know, so I'm not just complaining about, uh, I don't know, what is this? this is like, I'm complaining about a situation that got better, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, to legitimately not complain, I was like sure I was going to get sick because before I left my hometown, my mom was like really sick. Man, she was sick. And then there was this kid on the airplane who wouldn't stop coughing. And he coughed all over me and it's like, man, there's just, I mean, I've gotten sick by way less than this. So I was just figuring like, all right, 12 days in uh, Montreal, you know, maybe that'll be enough time to shake it. That was kind of my best hope. <laughs> like maybe I can just make it these 12 days and be mostly not sick again by the time I have to take my epic journey to Japan. But I just, uh, I feel fine. I don't think I'm sick. <laughs> it's like, how? How did that happen? You know, it's hard to appreciate sometimes the, uh, the good roll of the dice because you just kind of don't notice. You just sort of forget. But I'm noticing this one. My 34-hour trip to Japan is going to be wacky at the best of times, but it'd be so much worse if I was sick. <laughs> so much worse. And I seem to be all good still time to get sick before then <laughs> so I guess we'll see but for now everything is a-okay <laughs> it's this like beautiful fall day the trees are about I don't know I'm gonna say 60 percent changing color there's still a, a fair amount of green but I had to take my jacket off because it's kind of warm 
And it's like, this is literally the best time of year. This is the most perfect weather possible. What a good day. But when I woke up, my mind was kind of preoccupied, I guess. <laughs> just like, hey, let's just complain about my neighbors and stuff. But once you get moving, get up, get walking, get your circulation going, and it makes the day so much better. I guess also, I mean, it's still, I can see in the distance some uh, ominous gray clouds but this is the sunniest day since I've been here. It's been pretty overcast. That should be interesting in Japan too, because uh, the one time I visited before was the dead of summer. Actually, maybe not quite the dead of summer. I think I left in July. So I think maybe late July, August, September are like even worse when you hear people talk about the heat and the humidity in Japan. When I was there, it was still plenty hot though where, you know, a lot of places didn't have air conditioning. Actually, I don't think I've stayed anywhere that had air conditioning. So I'd be up at like three in the morning sometimes because it's just like, ooh, too hot, too hot to sleep. But none of that seemed bad because it was just so exciting. It's just like, fuck yeah. It was part of the awesomeness of Japan was just, just it being sunny and bright. It's gonna be interesting this time. I wonder what it's gonna be like. I did think while I was there that it's like, every time I'd go to a, a vending machine and they would have the row where there would be hot drinks but none of them would be available because it's summer and I was thinking like man I want to come back here in the winter sometime so I want to get these hot drinks <laughs> I'm so excited about that I think it's gonna be cool and as I get older I used to like summer when I was a kid but nowadays I don't like the heat as much I like the winter like I, I definitely want to get back to my hometown in the middle of winter on purpose. I like when it's like minus 25 degrees out. You know, I like it when it's just, you're in a snow globe, everything's covered in whiteness. It's fucking awesome. But since I'll just be in Tokyo and Fukuoka, Japan will not be like that. But maybe one of these days, if I keep making trips to Japan, maybe I'll make it up north because uh, just from watching YouTube videos and stuff, I think Japan, it's one of the highest snowfall areas in the world. It might actually be the highest. It's crazy. I mean, the tip of Japan is right next to Russia. And domestic flights are so uh, easy to get and so cheap in Japan. Maybe I should have even done that this time. <laughs> I'm just going to Tokyo and Fukuoka because that's where I've been before and I know how they work. I didn't want to branch out any further on this trip. But now that I think of it, I mean, I could have, <laughs> you know. Especially by the end of my trip, I've just got like a an Airbnb for like 15 days in Yokohama because it's near Haneda Airport. And I was looking at my listing and it's like, well, it's too late now. I mean, I set all this up, but 15 days is way too much. What am I going to do in Yokohama? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I've never been there, but I get the sense I'll probably be traveling out of it a lot. A few days there would have been plenty just to be near the airport. And I mean, I literally could have just hopped on a plane gone up north in January, see what that's like. And then if it's horrifying, get the hell out of there. I guess though, the thing that makes me enjoy winter in my hometown is that I've got giant boots and an enormous coat. You know, like cold weather is not good unless you're ready for it. 
And I guess I wouldn't be ready for it. I don't have any of that stuff. So I guess, yeah, no, it would, uh, <laughs> it would be a bad idea to go up north in Japan, even if it was only for a week, if I don't have a big coat. I should, uh, I should really plan for it. I should have the big coat and then just go up for like a month and just soak it in. Next time, maybe. All right, let's do what's traditionally always a great idea. <laughs> let's record a podcast while I'm walking up a hill. I should try to walk slower. I walk really quickly, partially because I'm a long-legged, gangly fellow. But a lot of it is that I'm just not being mindful. I'm just kind of pushing myself a little too hard for no particular reason. But I have to keep reminding myself, like, I mean, walking meditation is a thing where you just focus on yourself walking rather than the traditional sitting meditation. And it is kind of like that. Like, I, I have to pay attention to walk slow. Even now, it's like I'm walking up a hill that's getting progressively steeper. Why don't I just walk slow? Not in a hurry. But it's tough. Just want to push myself for no good reason. So it's a couple days later and I'm on my way to the St. Joseph's Oratory that I keep talking about, which uh, Montreal is full of big, gorgeous churches. But this is the biggest of them all. The one that's up on the hill that I saw from the airport that caused me to walk from the airport. And generally, when I visit places, I don't really do a lot of uh, touristy stuff. I kind of tried that when I lived in New York. I was like, you know, I guess if I'm here, I guess I should see these famous things, right? So I just looked up generic top 10 list, New York sightseeing, and I went and saw some of them. And just none of it stuck in my mind. Just seeing stuff that I've seen before on TV or in pictures or just seeing the same stuff everyone else is seeing. My mind's just not wired that way. It's like, I don't care about this. This is a, a far more severe example. But I don't understand why people want to climb Everest. There's literal lineups to get up Everest. There's traffic jams. Everest is not special <laughs> anymore, you know? I mean, physically, yeah, sure, technically, it's the tallest mountain. But when you've reached the point that not only have hundreds of people done it, thousands of people have done it, hundreds of people have died <laughs> trying to do it. I don't know, it's just, I don't get just the very idea that you could climb Everest and not be by yourself blows my mind. That should be some rarefied air, but human beings, we've just gone everywhere. There's a lineup. <laughs> Fuck that. Oh, man. This is uh, the backside of Mount Royale. I'm going up to get to, uh, to this church. I'm walking up Lansdowne Street. So it's less steep than the front, but it's still pretty fucking steep. This is a nice neighborhood though. But yeah, this, uh, this church 
is one of the few big famous landmarks that I do like, that I try to go see. But I found it on my own, you know, I found it by accident. So it still feels like one of those little places that I just found on my own, even though it is enormous and famous. But yeah, I just thought I'd talk about Montreal a bit on my way up this hill. So a bunch of my family on my dad's side is from Quebec. My grandmother used to live here. So we'd come visit her occasionally when I was a kid. So I've got little memories of like, uh, here's what my grandma's apartment was like and here's what the park near there was like. But I don't actually know where that even was. Somewhere in East Montreal, I think. You know, since I was just there with my parents and had no autonomy or whatever, I didn't have any sense of where anything was or <laughs> anything in relation to anything. It's all just little random moments. The first time I came to Montreal by myself, or almost by myself, was me and my friend Sean and his girlfriend, whose name I don't remember. But we came in 2003 to watch pro wrestling. So by 2003, the sort of late 90s, year 2000 wrestling boom, it was over. <laughs> Most of my friends had stopped watching wrestling. But we were still watching wrestling, and a pay-per-view was coming to the Bell Center. So we got like a cheap hotel somewhere and went to this pay-per-view. And it's weird because uh, I won't bog this podcast down with wrestling talk, but it's just weird to look back at that. It shows like that wrestling fans, we really do have like very bad taste. Because that pay-per-view had, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin was on it before he retired. The big one was The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. It was one of the most famous matches in wrestling history. This was their rematch, the second time they fought. And I just, like, don't remember those. You know, I had to go back and look at the DVD cover for that pay-per-view and be like, oh, yeah, I guess I did see that stuff. What I remember is Triple H versus Scott Steiner, too, who were these two guys that, at the time, were both way too big. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Way bigger than human beings should probably be. And they'd already had one of the all-time terrible main event matches. So this was part two. <laughs> and it was partially just the comedy factor of like, oh man, that match is gonna suck. But also it's like, ah, but I hope they pull it off. It'd be great if they pulled it off, but they didn't. It sucked, it's terrible. <laughs> but that's what I remember the most from that show. But that visit was only a couple of days. We didn't hang around too long, but I do remember it was the middle of winter. And this was like my first taste of what a big city was like by myself. Cause I'd been to Montreal with the family, passed through New York once for an afternoon when I was a kid. We went to Florida a couple times, but being on my own, I walked down St. Catherine Street and I went in some restaurant and got some, you know, some noodle soup dish that was probably <laughs> the most basic thing in the world, but that just didn't exist in my hometown. And it was so cool. So I wouldn't say that that directly inspired me to move away a couple of years after that. But it certainly didn't hurt. Me and my friend Matt were gonna to move to Ottawa and then that fell through. So then I finally just moved to Vancouver on my own. 
and just kind of started traveling after that. So yeah, Montreal, my first little city experience was very good. But then I didn't really come back to Montreal for quite a few years. By this point, my grandmother was still alive. She lived to be 101, but she was living in uh, Gaspé, which uh, <laughs> me and my dad went out to visit her. And I had longer hair at the time, which was never a great look on me, but I don't know, I guess a lot of skinny white nerds go through their, their long hair phase. <laughs> but, but I remember I was in Gaspé at their one Tim Hortons. And this guy held the door open as I went in, and he said, Après vous, madame? And I was like, you French fuck. <laughs> oh, my direct route is blocked. Man, it really is really handy to have the map. So it looks like if I turn left, that's my best way to get to St. Joseph's Oratory. But there's something here if I go to the right called Summit Woods. And I'm halfway through a large coffee, so I'm gonna go to the Summit Woods. See if there's somewhere I can just go pee in a bush. <laughs> I assume the oratory is open and there's a washroom in there, but just in case. This is definitely part of just wandering around cities, is uh, just having a mental idea of where all the washrooms are just handy to have. <laughs> and in a pinch, random woods can, uh, can do the trick. But yeah, like I remember, my mental map of New York was basically entirely based on washrooms. It was like a spider web connected by where I could pee. It was especially important then because uh, I went to a lot of bars when I lived in New York. Did a lot of drinking, just because that's the people I was hanging out with at the time. That was their little culture. And New York is certainly not a place where if you're just walking around Manhattan that you're going to just find some woods to pee in. <laughs> that's not likely. You gotta, you gotta know where the washrooms are. But yeah, I mean, geez, my mental map is so out of date. It was like the 2008-2009 map. I don't think, I think the last time I went was it 2012 or 2013. So it's been 10 years. <laughs> I'm sure my washroom map now is not good enough. But yeah, having this, uh, having this map on the phone sure is handy. Because again, because of how this, uh, this place is situated, since it's way up on the back of the mountain that the town's named after, you can see it from all over the place. Oh, what do we have here? So there's a crosswalk here, and there's a mysterious set of steps between these two beautiful properties, these two big gorgeous houses. But it's definitely a public path. I gotta assume it's going up, and the summit of Mount Royal is the main event around here. Oh yeah, look at these steps, this is gonna be death, but this is sweet. But yeah, I was walking down Monk Boulevard and uh, there's like a little canal there. And you can see St. Joseph's and it doesn't look that far. But I did a little walk down that way the other day and I got quite lost in the industrial tangle. So I already knew to be suspicious of it. But today I checked the map 
And I was like, yeah, man, there's a train yard, there's industrial stuff, there's fences everywhere, there's a big overpass highway. Trying to orienteer visually, it's like that would have been so shit if I tried to cut through there, it would have been awful. Man, this is actually pretty beautiful. There's a bunch of people just sort of power walking their way up through this thing. But the uh, buildings on the side, you know, everything's on this curve and they've got their own little side steps going up into their houses. It looks like, it's look like Italian villas or something all of a sudden. I was thinking of taking a picture, but I've noticed that I've started taking pictures for my Instagram, which is NovelPod. And there's a lot of stuff that looks really cool in person. It just doesn't come across in a picture. This is one of them. Picture doesn't look right. But yeah, I figured out through the power of having Google Maps, I just had to hang a right a little bit, go to the right, take a 20 minute detour. And then I was able to walk pretty much straight here without too many problems at all. It's happened, I've become a map guy. <laughs> Maybe that'll make uh, Tokyo a little different from just wandering randomly. Although I guess even in Japan, I mean, I still would stop in at the 7-Elevens and stuff and check maps once in a while. Because for whatever reason, you couldn't download a, an offline map of Japan in 2019. And now you can. Anyway, the reason I came back to Montreal is my friend Matt, who I was supposed to move to Ottawa with back in the day, he was here taking a language course because uh, half of his family is French, much as mine is, but he never learned the language, which is very understandable because uh, nobody in my family actively speaks French. If I didn't go to French school, I wouldn't know any French. So that's what happened with him. So he was trying to squeeze it in, but it was, it was too late. He's too old. <laughs> so much easier to learn these things when you're young. But he had this like dorm they set him up in with a bunch of other people that were trying to learn French. So I hung out there for like a week in his dorm. And then the girl I dated in New York, she came to visit. So for the next week after that, I got, man, it was the worst hotel. <laughs> it was like a two-star hotel. But that must have been 2009 or 2010. No, 2010 I moved to Toronto, so that was 2009. So that was my first time in the modern era, hanging out there and really having enough time to soak it in. And after that, Matt moved to Montreal for a couple of years and I would just go visit him once in a while and just start building up the mental map and starting to figure out how the city worked and just realizing how great it was that I could finally use that French because <laughs> I just never get the opportunity. It's kind of all or nothing with French. My French wasn't good enough to pass the final exam at the end of high school to be considered officially bilingual. So, you know, I couldn't get like a government job in New Brunswick where you have to speak French. And casually, I just didn't have any friends who spoke French. So that's just fun. <laughs> it's just fun here. You know, I just did it today at the Tim Hortons when I got this coffee. I always open with English. I want to set the table. Hey, can I get a but then I'll order in French. I just want to make it clear from the get-go that I'm an Anglophone. So then if I switch back to English because I have to bail out because I can't remember any words, it doesn't seem weird. 
but it felt kind of good just being in the environment of French radio, French TV, French street signs, French people, you know, just all of that dormant French knowledge that I never get to use. Like, I don't know how comfortable it is to live here if you don't know any French. Certainly doable. Everyone speaks English. But all the signs are in French, every single one of them. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> Whatever that big engine was that just turned off. I have no fucking clue, that's weird. I made it to the top of the stairs. Almost at the Summit Woods. Let's go see what this is all about. But yeah, there's just a tone and a, there's just a feeling to French culture that uh, just really brought me back to being a kid. Oh, there's the roof. The roof of the oratory to my left. I'm walking like kind of past it. It's fine though, let's keep going, explore these woods. Yeah, and I mean, I spent my whole youth in 100% uh, full immersion French school. Half my family's French, so I feel, uh, I feel like it's okay for me to uh, <laughs> make generalizations about French culture that are mildly, potentially offensive. Offensive to one gender and not the other. Because French women, I just really like. There's just this very cool attitude to French women. I just really feel like I maybe again because all my teachers were French women <laughs> growing up. I don't know. Oh, these woods are kind of nice. I think it's just like a little loop. Let's just walk around the loop. But yeah, I just feel like I vibe with French women. It's just comfortable. When a French lady gets, uh, gets all dressed up in the morning and goes out, she wants you to notice. And that's just, it's a wild feeling because it's not like that <laughs> outside of, of Quebec. The vibe outside is much more like, you're not supposed to notice. Don't look at me. <laughs> it's like, all right, sorry. I don't know. Let's not get into all that, I guess. But it doesn't feel that way in Quebec. When somebody's hot, they know they're hot, and they like when people acknowledge that they're hot. It's nice. <laughs> Whereas on the other side, French men are so not masculine. <laughs> In this weird way that is hard to describe because I'm not exactly Mr. Super Muscle Guy myself. Mr. Take Charge Man Guy, that's certainly not me. But there's a different feeling with not just like your average French guy walking down the street, but everyone like in media, anyone on the news, anyone on a billboard, anyone on a magazine cover, there's just something off about them. And you know, like I said, I didn't have any male teachers when I was a kid. All my experience with French culture was through women. So maybe there's just something there that I'm just not getting. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't mind it, it's fine. But it's just so pervasive. It's everywhere. Just, if you're ever in Quebec, just, uh, just look at a billboard, look at a magazine cover, look at a movie trailer, look at the nightly news, <laughs> look at anything. And it's just these guys that are like, like, there's just, 
there's a weird softness that I find strange. These are, uh, these woods are pretty nice. I've never been in here before. They're bigger than I thought they were. <laughs> but you know, again, I guess even to, uh, to take my uh, offensive stereotypes and just bring them back home, bring them back to uh, home base to my family. My dad is the one from the French side of the family, grew up in rural Quebec, and man, he did not wear the pants in our house. My mom's not French, but my dad, sure, sure, now that I think about it, he uh, demonstrated all of these qualities. He was not in charge and did not seem to want to be. <laughs> so, so again, broad generalization, probably unfair, but I notice it every time. I notice both those things every time I come here. There's like a exciting electricity to the women of the city and there's a weird dopiness <laughs> to the men. <laughs> so yeah, I would come visit Matt when he lived here. He lived up by Coteville too. That's how I got to know that neighborhood. And then he moved to Toronto. He moved in with me in Toronto. And then that uh, apartment dissolved and I moved away from Toronto. So after that, that's when I started coming to Montreal just purely by myself with nobody that I knew here. And that's when I really felt like I got to know the city. Just again, back then, Airbnbs were a lot cheaper. Just get an Airbnb for like two or three months or break it up with little train rides into Toronto to see my friends and then come back to Montreal. Montreal was like my little home base. It just felt good. Because I also like Vancouver a lot, but Montreal's a lot closer, you know. It's very close to Toronto. It's pretty close to my hometown. It's really convenient and it's just neat. It is just a very unique city. The Frenchness alone is awesome. It's kind of a grimy city though. It's weird, but it's true. I mean, this, uh, these woods right now, these are gorgeous. That neighborhood I was just in, it was gorgeous. I mean, it depends neighborhood to neighborhood. But by and large, there's just something about Montreal. It's got like, you know, there's just a lot of random garbage on the streets. There doesn't seem to be any kind of a street cleaning program. You know, if you're waiting for the street cleaner to come, you got a long way ahead of you. He's not coming. There's graffiti everywhere, which is kind of cool. But the whole place is just kind of grimy in a way that it feels like it needs to rain, like wash this place off, except raining doesn't help. <laughs> but these are not criticisms. I like it. It feels kind of cool, which is kind of hypocritical of me because one of the things I didn't like about New York was how dirty it was. And I go way out of my way to not litter. I hate just, random littering. It's just like, what is wrong with you? Can't you just pick up your garbage? But in Montreal, it's so kind of pervasive. It's just the culture. It's just how it is around here that everything is just kind of grimy. That it feels kind of cool. It feels like, have you ever seen like those, uh, like street punks, gutter punks, you know, these punk kids that have like denim jackets with studs on them and band patches and a dog. And it's like performative homeless in a way. It's not like homeless because my life fell apart. It's homeless because it's cool to be homeless, you know? It's like, okay, maybe circumstances led me to be homeless possibly, but I'm not exactly fighting to get out of it because my identity is to be a cool homeless punk kid. That's how Montreal feels. If those people were a city, they'd be Montreal. 
So yeah, between the griminess and the Frenchness, your results may vary. I don't know. It's hard to just say like, oh yeah, you should go to Montreal, you'll love it. But I very much love it. It's a really good city. I believe I'm at the back door of the oratory or near it. Because I remember I went in there once. And I realized there was a side exit where you could sneak out the back. And it took me to this little neighborhood. And I think that's the neighborhood I'm in right now. But I'm going to loop back around through these woods. Go in the front way. I guess now at this point too. Now that I'm nearby a washroom, <laughs> I can uh, guzzle down this coffee. Don't worry, I did not defile the woods. Again, that's just one of those emergency things tucked away in my brain in case I'm ever in this neighborhood and it's like everything's closed and I just need to pee. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, there's this. Add it to the mental map, ding, add a pin. Man, coffee's so good. You can, uh, you can expect when I get to Japan, there'll be a lot of uh, just getting coffee out of the little machines. I'm definitely a caffeine addict, but oh man, it's so good. Because <laughs> I just, I always have a hard time sleeping. I'm not a good sleeper. And I know, first thing everyone says, like, well, why don't you just stop drinking coffee? But it's like, trust me, I tried. I tried quitting caffeine before. Ironically, while I worked at a coffee shop, it just wasn't worth it. <laughs> just... My sleep problems were not uh, noticeably ameliorated without caffeine. And just having caffeine makes the day so much better. But yeah, one of the times I was visiting Matt when he lived here, I borrowed his bicycle and I was bicycling around. Not a bad city for cycling. Montreal, like I do not recommend it in Toronto at all. It's a fucking nightmare. It's terrifying. New York is weirdly not that bad because there's so much traffic that it gums itself up. So uh, cycling there was uh, still a bit of a weird feeling. Kind of an overwhelming place, but not, that, not as bad as I thought it would be. But Montreal's nice because the same way I was saying how it's uh, nice to be a pedestrian here. For the same reasons it's nice to be a cyclist because uh, the traffic tends to be nice and calm. But I was cycling from Matt's place in Coteville too, and I cycled past this place. I'd never been on the west side of Montreal, so I had not seen this place from uh, all the different vantage points. You can see it over there. And yeah, I just stopped and I was like, Jesus, what the fuck is this place? And I took a picture, and when I got back, I asked him, like, do you know what this place is? And he didn't know. So I looked it up later, and uh, as far as hard facts go, I'm afraid uh, you'll have to do that on your own because I don't recall. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what denomination this church is. I don't know when it got built. I don't know any of the details. I read them all at one point, but... But it's like, I don't know, whatever. Religion's just a wash to me. I went to Catholic church as a kid, but it did not sink in. So I kind of like religious stuff just because it's neat. You know, I like how big this place is. Once you go in there and there's all the cool like candles and stuff, and there's like an underground rock, weird crypt thing. And just the organs in the big giant room and the pomp and circumstance of it all is really cool. But the religion side don't mean nothing to me. But that first time, all I did was take the picture and ask him what it was. 
It wasn't until later on when he had moved away, when I came here on my own, that uh, I think again, I think I just stumbled across it by accident. I don't think I went out of my way to come here. But then I was like, what is this place? I should go. And that's when I found out you can just go inside and just check it out. But yeah, I'm gonna figure out how to get out of these woods. And we'll reconvene at the actual place. Alright, I'm inside. I have to talk extra quietly because I'm talking in church. <laughs> no one's playing the organ today, which is too bad because it gives it an extra eerie vibe. I don't know how that works if you have to pay for like a deluxe package or something to go play the organ because it never seems to be real organ players. It's always people playing the creepiest, weirdest music. But yeah, this place, I mean, it's just a great big giant church. It's just, uh, it's just rad, it just feels cool. I don't know, I mean, like I saying, I'm Catholic, or I grew up Catholic. I don't know if this is a Catholic church, but it certainly feels the same as my church when I was a kid, except fucking enormous. And it's weird to see the occasional person doing actual religious praying stuff here, because it's mainly tourists. You can just tell these are tour buses that stopped in here. And there's a gift shop downstairs and stuff. I'm kind of going in backwards. Normally you'd start at the bottom and move your way up. But since I started at the top, I'm gonna move my way down. But uh, I couldn't find my little secret back passageway that I, I used before to sneak out the side here and go up into that neighborhood. Trying to come in, I could see the dome of the church right there but it was like just uh, gated off and I couldn't figure out how to get back in. The whole thing did seem kind of weird in general because you're supposed to, you know, come in the front and go through the, the, the fufara, you know, see the majesty and go through the gift shop. You're not supposed to just sneak in the back way. So I'm not sure if you can still do that or what, but I couldn't figure it out. But I figured that might be good anyway to circle around and come in more or less the right way. But, uh, but they're doing construction outside and that's weird too because there's a bunch of steps leading up to this place. And I don't, I don't like having this microphone crammed right in my face because you can hear, I think of all that coffee I drank, you can hear my mouth. Sorry. <laughs> I'll try to keep this brief because this is gonna, yeah, too, too many gross mouth noises when the mic is this close to my mouth. But I saw these people because there's all these steps leading up to this church. There would be these people who uh, were on their knees and were slowly climbing the steps on their knees. And I looked that up and it's like, you know, one of these religious observances that's like, you know, just, uh, you know, to flagellate yourself. Yet another thing that makes me feel like this might be Catholic. <laughs> and in a way, I mean, I have a certain, I mean, in some ways just even exercise is kind of like that, right? I mean, meditation and yoga are the very easy ways of that. You know, you want to put pressure on yourself to help clear your head but to climb up like a hundred steps or something on your knees and just the pain <laughs> deliberately putting yourself through that kind of torturous weird stuff that's such a religious thing to do and yet it just seemed weird for people to be doing 
the religious stuff here because this place is just such a tourist trap. It's not a real church anymore, you know. I'm sure they have services and stuff, but that's not the point. Seemed a little weird to me. Again, kind of, I mean, I don't know, maybe all religious stuff is performative, but performative religion, like why would you come do your your stuff here? You know, go go to an obscure church. Do it for yourself. Don't don't do it in front of everybody, but maybe I'm missing the point. Maybe the point is to show everyone, look, look at what I'm doing. Look at me flagellate myself. However, I thought I'd come in the front way and get the nice classic picture of the oratory, but uh, I ended up not taking the picture because they're doing tons of uh, renovations, which just, again, of course, it's a big financial concern, obviously. It's a big tourist trap, but it just seems weird for them to be putting in a new parking lot and fixing up the stairs. Because they had special stairs before, like they had stairs put aside for if you were doing this religious stuff so you wouldn't get in people's way or people wouldn't trample you. I'm not sure if those are still there because they're all new now, so that seems extra weird. I wonder if people are still going to do the going up the stairs on your knees in the brand new renovated steps. Like it really seems weird now, it just really would feel like this is not whatever connection this has to ancient old school religious ways is certainly gone now. They've renovated the whole place, but I don't know, I guess we'll see. So I didn't take the picture because uh, it doesn't look very cool while uh, everything's being renovated and there's uh, construction everywhere. But I did take pictures from the top because the view from up here is, is super awesome. But yeah, I think I'll uh, cut this short here because uh, there's really nothing to say. This place is just cool. I just like hanging out here. I used to just come here for no particular reason. Do some writing. In fact, that's what I'll do. I usually write on uh, my smartphone that's just in my pocket. So, uh, you know, just be extra sacrilegious. I've done my podcasting from in the church. Now I'll do a little bit of writing. But yeah, as you go downstairs, there's a smaller church like a kind of normal sized church so there's a church inside the church so you can church while you church and then there's this part that is like a like a tomb with all these rocks and it's all moist and weird and watery and there's candles which again like I just know nothing about like I went to church every week but I don't know why you light the candles I don't know what it's all about I don't know what the point is I remember like we'd have to do confession and I would just be struggling like, what do I confess? Like, I don't know. I, I distinctly remember confessing that I walked in front of the TV while my mom was trying to watch it, which I don't even think I did. I was just trying to think of something. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you fucking people want from me. <laughs> fucking church. <laughs> church as, you know, a religious thing can fuck right off. But, but just as a cool place to, uh, that just feels neat and is enormous and cool. I do like that. I'd love to be like an eccentric billionaire by this place and I could live in here. <laughs> It'd be fucking weird as hell. So from here, I'm not too far from Mount Royal itself. Although even that, I mean, basically up there is like a chalet and a cool view of the other side of Montreal, of the downtown side. But it's still not like mega close. I still got a hike across the mountain. So I might do that, I don't know. It's like two in the afternoon. Basically, I guess uh, this has been a bit of a weird visit because 
because it's so short. So I was feeling like, ah, I should really try to squeeze in stuff while I'm here, but that's that, like, standard travel feel that I do not like that kind of stresses me out. I much prefer just to take my time and not to do anything in particular, just to soak a place in. So I had to kind of deprogram myself a little of like, just don't worry about it, man. Montreal's not going anywhere. Instead, I just focused on the neighborhood near my Airbnb, which is Verda. And I've just been going there every day and I've been through there, I've been there before, but now I've just been really just focusing on that one neighborhood and getting to know it and not really going any further. And like, that's fine, this will be the Verdun trip. But I figured if I was gonna hike a little further, this was the place that I wanted to come check out. And now I'm here. It's the, I don't know, it is kind of a, like the irony or the catch-22, the weirdness of traveling. It's like, yeah, it's cool. It's really neat. I'm glad I'm here. But on the other hand, you can't, I mean, there's not going to be any point to any of this travel in this podcast or any of these stories. There is no, there's no reason. It doesn't matter that I'm here. Like, I don't quite know what to say. <laughs> That's why I thought, it's like, I should do a travel podcast, but it's going to be a bit weird too, because it's just like, yeah, it's just cool. That's all. There's no deeper meaning whatsoever. But if you're ever in Montreal, I think it's worth uh, checking out the St. Joseph's Oratory. You can't miss it. It's got a giant logo on Google Maps. It's got its own big custom logo, great big dome. All right, here's a little way we can end this off. Little crossover with my writing podcast, so... Yeah, I just took out my little smartphone and I did some writing. I just sat there and wrote until I needed to pee out more of that coffee. No fucking way. This is an animatronic angel that you're hearing. It's uh, this girl with angel wings and a robe carrying a little donation box. It says, merci. I can see American money in there. Green like American money. Uh, anyway, it's bowing its head up and down. <laughs> That's fucking weird. But yeah, I got a nice little chunk of writing done. And uh, man, yeah, this is just reminding me. I mean, this is really kind of all I want out of life. Is It's my favorite thing to just pick a target for the day, which today was this place, the oratory. And then you come here, so you get to have a nice walk, get some exercise. <laughs> but then when you get to a place, like I was saying before, it's sort of like, you know, what is the meaning necessarily? It's just kind of a cool place. But then if you get something done, like some writing, that was the meaning, you know? Now it's like, ah, that was kind of the goal for the day. That was the thing I was really hoping to get done. Just do a little bit of writing every day. Someday you'll have a novel. So you kind of combine all these things together. You get to go explore a city. You get to see a cool thing. You get to have some exercise. And you get to get some writing done. It's, you know, pretty simple. But just in my hometown for the last four years, I just couldn't. I could not do it. There was nowhere to go. You know, I was just going to the same Tim Hortons's every day. I was losing my fucking mind. And I mean, this is it. This is the plan. When I get to Japan, this will be the same thing. Just pick a place, go there, soak it in, do a little writing, rinse and repeat, till someday I die. <laughs> That's all I want. 
That's all I want. In fact, here, let me get out of here instead of whispering to myself. So the back door, the secret entrance does still exist. I couldn't figure out how to get into it, but I can go out of it. So let's do that. Let's go outside so I can speak properly. Alright, I'm outside. You can still see a pretty cool view from the parking lot here. Go up these stairs and figure out how to get <laughs> get back to where I was earlier in the day. See if I can get back to that uh, that summit park. But yeah, after doing that little chunk of riding, I went down the escalators down to the bottom so I could see the different stuff. Oh, here's a hidden path. Fuck it, let's take this little weird path and see where it goes. And I found a part of the church I'd never been to before. It was actually pretty creepy. It's like they had these like, what's a diorama called when it's full size? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, these like glass enclosures with little puppets, with a marionette. Again, what's a full-size marionette? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, with these priests, it's really eerie. Just some old-timey priests doing priest stuff, frozen forever in time. Mm. I'm getting the distinct impression that this uh, little path goes nowhere. It's a bunch of vines on some weird old building. Yeah, well, sally forth. But yeah, I saw the, the smaller church down in the bottom. And then in the, the weird sort of crypt looking part <laughs> where it's like all these moist rock walls and stuff. Anyway, there's more of the, the candles down there that you can light. And I noticed a sign. There was a, a change machine. You could get change, presumably to pay to uh, light these candles, but I don't know how it all worked or who you paid or what the process was. But in the one other part, the uh, underground rock part, it was a lot more clear. There was a machine with a little tap symbol on it, a little tap signifier. So I took a closer look and it's like, it costs $5 to light one of these prayer candles. You can just tap your debit card. You can tap it right here and then light your candle. It's like, man, the future, the future is here. I never did manage to find like a laundromat where you could just tap your card. I had to just go fully old school. I had to get 20 bucks out of a bank machine, put it in a coin machine to make quarters, use the quarters to do my laundry, then just try to get rid of my excess quarters, just buy coffees and stuff with quarters. But not at the church. At the church, you can tap away. There we go, came out of the woods. Oh yeah, I literally was. I literally was here earlier. Wait, let me try this again. <laughs> this is in fact how I approached earlier, but I just missed the doorway. I missed the uh, secret entrance somehow. But yeah, the last thing is uh, as I was coming back up the escalators, cause this thing is like a million floors high Ah, oh, there it is. 
yeah, and there's the path I went down. Okay. Cool, I figured it out. <laughs> I figured out how to get in the secret back entrance, should I ever need to again in the future. Wasn't that tough, I just took the wrong turn. But yes, I got on one of these escalators to come back up the building. I just, uh, as I was standing on the escalator, I put my toes on the edge of the step and just just stretched down, just gave my calves a nice stretch and just sort of did the up and down stretch as I went up. And then at the top, when the escalator levels out, you just feel it touch on your, on your heels and, and you're at the top. And it just immediately came back to me because I always do that. I always just take that little moment to do a little stretch, but I realized like, holy crap, I haven't done that in four years. I haven't been on an escalator in four years. And it's like, yeah, I guess not. Like, where would I be? Where in my hometown would have an escalator? When I was a kid, there was a Zellers with a second floor that had an escalator, but that's been gone a long time. <laughs> and uh, other than that, yeah, like, I don't know, I guess a lot of times movie theaters have escalators, but in my hometown, the one movie theater is far too small to require that. So it's just one of those little things that just kind of like, holy crap, <laughs> like I just didn't realize, I never even thought about it. So anyway, it's still, uh, it's not too late in the day, but it is getting more and more overcast. And the further in I go, the deeper I go onto this mountain and then into downtown and stuff, I'll just get further and further away from my Airbnb. And even if I go straight back right now, it's still, it's not like I'm close. I got a couple hours ahead of me. So instead of further adventure, I'm just gonna start heading back roughly toward home. But all right, similar to those stairs I took to get up here the first time, these are different stairs, but I see some stairs going down. So I'm gonna take those and see where I end up. So thank you for listening. That was my little Montreal episode. If you're ever visiting Montreal, St. Joseph's is worth checking out. It's pretty cool. Man, I was saying earlier how Montreal's kind of a grimy city, but not in this neighborhood, man. Jeez, these houses, like this one I'm passing now, it feels like I'm in a fairy tale, but if everybody was rich, like imagine Hansel and Gretel's house if they were rich and if they had a giant house. <laughs> it's weird, it just looks like, like a European strange little hamlet thing, except enormous and rich. And this person's got a little like, old-timey balcony in their house like you would go stand on to watch to see if your beloved is coming back from his time at sea but yeah next time i got a 19-hour layover in the calgary airport and then the flight to japan 34 hours total should be ridiculous so let's chronicle that in a podcast shall we thank you for listening i'll see you next time